ready, Goyles. This is a take. I am inevitable. You're this lead podcast special edition interview with Jim Starlin on Dreadstar. I'm Matt Derson. And I'm your part-time host, John Hunt. <laughs> That's right, John. And I'm Clay Inferno. Our special guest, Clay Inferno. Thanks for coming on. Well, it's good to be <laughs> Actually, with you. <laughs> just kidding. You are. This is your you. interview. Uh, this is your uh, guest. Indeed. So we're just here, uh, you know, for the love ride. <laughs> we're just walking our coattails. That's right. <laughs> good coattails. The cosmic coattails of, of Jim Starlin, Daddy O. Thanos. And right. I was surprised because I thought we weren't going to talk about Thanos at all, but he but he brought it up. But as an interviewer, you don't want to be too much like, hey, I know we're here to talk about your new comic, but uh, tell me about Thanos. Tell me about Deadpool, Rob Liefeld. Tell me about all that stuff, you know? Uh, but I actually, like, when we talked to Rob, we were talking to him about Deadpool. So that was kind of an excuse. But, uh, but yeah, he brought it up. We talked about Thanos and all the Marvel Cosmic stuff, Infinity Gauntlet and uh and this cool Dreadstar book, which he just made, it's 100 pages. Yeah, I mean, it sounds really cool. Uh, the, of course, the interesting part was that he thought he was not never going to draw again um, due to this injury. Was He basically had a, put a hole in his hand. Right? He had a soda stream accident. No Jesus. joke. Do you guys have a soda stream? We have one. I'm looking at it right I have now. One. staring at me in the face. I don't have one just because of this story. <laughs> yeah especially john you can sympathize that he like couldn't draw for uh, a long time he had a hole in his uh in his hand and we we talk about that and how he had to adjust and then he said that uh he was able to uh do some sketches and it kind of came back yeah well he'd been working with a stylus which was somehow helped him helped it heal i guess like because it was a different kind of pressure uh, spoiler warning, I don't want to spoil the interview, but it's a very good interview. He's a very, I don't know, he seems like a very humble and just like nice guy for someone who has created all these characters, obviously not just Thanos, but like basically the Marvel cosmic universe, as you brought up, Clay. And uh, he, I, the one thing I do want to say without spoiling too much, but I love his comment about like, it's kind of like Star Trek, basically, right? Like, even though you're talking about space, people in space you're talking about right. people like you know you're covering things that are topical you know like uh and he says if you're not making your readers think you might as well be doing tom and jerry which is great <laughs> stuff it's good, stuff. good line so yeah yeah, yeah. So we talked about uh there was this uh this was a kickstarter project and and we talked about your comic for a minute and uh yeah it was just awesome because the uh, Ron, editor ron mars has a new imprint, Ominous Press, and they put out Dreadstar Omnibus. There's three volumes of that. There's this new 100-page Dreadstar Omnibus, and uh, and Jim was just so cool. And he's even he's been burned by DC and Marvel different ways, you know. But he doesn't like he kind of doesn't really hold a grudge, and he just wants to, you know, he wants to make money in comics with the characters that he owns, which is Dreadstar, and people blew his kickstarter out of the water and they paid their respects and uh it was just an honor to talk to him and great to share with everybody yeah i think uh we should just get right to it then right uh, take it away Clay. Good. take him take away, away toys 
What, did you say take them away toys? Yeah. <laughs> okay, cheap. Uh, but yeah, meanwhile, check us out, leaguepodcast.com, uh, everywhere you get your podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places. Leave us reviews. I think this is great for clay stuff. Uh, I don't know. Um, Robinhoodcomic.com and uh, uh, Viz Media and Viz check Media. out my, my, my lettering work over there and get yourself a subscription to weekly chapters and monthly chapters for a mere $2.95 a month. You have access to a crap ton of manga. That is nice. so cheap compared to DC and Marvel's offering, that's which right, I have been Clay. enjoying. And uh, <laughs> that's right, John. Uh, which I just I, I I even read the Dread Star Omnibus. I was like, I need to read some of the early stuff, and and I went and I bought it, and I read it on my iPad. And uh, I'm not saying I'm not going back, but I'm collecting the issues to collect them, and I'm pretty much reading all my comics on the iPad. So. Get this go. good Viz deal. Yeah, all right. Good. And get Dread Star as well while you're, while you're out get there. All. Get Select everything. All. That's right. All right. And uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. Let's hand it over to Jim and Clay. Jim. Come and over, Uncle Jim. Dread Star. We have some nice cookies. <laughs> you're stuck with just me, I'm afraid. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that Jamie won't make it, but I'm honored to talk to you, sir. Thank you so much <laughs> for joining us. Well, you get me in front of her drawing board, at least. <laughs> yeah, that, oh, that's awesome. That's great. So I am here with the legendary Jim Starlin, and we are going to talk Dreadstar. Thank you so much, sir, for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. So I have part of the job. <laughs> life is funny because sometimes and you've been with comics for for such a long time somebody gave me a box of comics and there was original run prints of dreadstar comics in there let's say they found in their basement or something and i was like when i got them i said i couldn't believe it this is years ago i said wow i've always wanted to read this book i've always wanted to read this book and now i i know you have the ominous press has the omnibus of all of the dreadstar comics I had a hand in, yes. That that you had a hand in. And I actually, I had to do it. I had to buy digital copies because I wasn't going to go dig into the long boxes. It's way easier for me to read on the iPad these days. <laughs> no, there's but, something uh, to be said for the hard copies and that. The uh, uh, ominous uh, press people really oh. do an excellent job of the putting together a package, a uh, nice hardcover and the reproduction on these things is the best I've ever had on any of the projects I've worked on. Marvel DC included, this is far superior to that. They're, and that's, they're put out. It's Ron Mars's company? This is Ron Mars, Andy Smith, and um, and oh God, I'm gonna get Bart Sears. You're gonna get in trouble mm. with Bart for <laughs> his name. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a great looking book inside and out. I love the I love the the trade dress makes it look like an old epic comic so that <laughs> kind of carries on the design elements there I, I like that look a lot but so tell me we are back with you have a hundred page graphic novel of brand new dreadstar for everybody and it comes after you were hurt and you didn't think you were going to be able to draw again so tell uh, us about those challenges i blew a big hole in my hand between the thumb and the forefinger oh about four years ago at this point I figured that was the end of my drawing career. Um, it was just 
it hurt every time I spent five minutes trying to draw. So mm. I became a writer and uh, a full-time writer and did those uh, Thanos graphic novels with Alan Davis, which was a pleasure all into itself working with Alan Davis. Yeah, um, amazing looking books. Great books. Yeah, I hate the guy. He draws so well. <laughs> I, just, I, I just play it makes you angry. Oh yeah, you're really um, lucky to when you do take on the writer role. You've had amazing artists, you know, backing up for a lot of your legendary work. You know, oh, I had else. Bernie Wrightson, Ron Lim, a number of folks who are just terrific. You know, along the way, those are the major ones. But yeah, I've been pretty lucky on that regard. But then a lot of times, don't want to draw or write anything until it's a good fit. And those guys, it was, you know, so it worked out really well. And all three of them. They're, they're my three favorites. And Dreadstar actually, it was part of an anthology. Is that correct? Is part of Epic's Illustrated uh, magazine? Yes, it started, it started off as sort of a fairy tale. That was my oh. original intention. I had just finished working with Mike Plug uh, over at Bashy Rough Bashy Studios, uh, a movie called uh, Wizards, and. Uh, he was working on these beautiful paintings for, I think it was The Hobbit they were going to do next as an illustrated version, or a movie version, adaptation. And I sort of inspired by those paintings, and I started doing what was going to be a fairy tale, gray boards with black wash and white paint for lots of highlights. A crazy way to work. I don't recommend it to anybody. And then... Kind of a uh, reverse drawing because you're taking away instead of adding. Oh, black. I'm doing both. You're adding the blacks and you're taking mm -hmm. away the whites, mm -hmm. uh, which was fun to do at that point. But then Archie Goodwin wanted it to go over the color. And I stayed with the same process working on colored boards. And well, every page took me two days or three days <laughs> to paint. And so, like I said, it's a, it's a good way to start especially working in comic books back at that point. But it very, very early on in the job, I realized I am not a fairy tale artist. It went into science fiction. A lot of the original intentions were jettisoned by the time I got about to the third or fourth uh, episode. And Dreadstar was never going to be the main hero of the story. It was going to be... Ankadon, who was the guy who starts and narrates the story. But as soon as I put the vamp in, he took over. He was by far much more interesting than Ankadon, and he ended up uh, killing him at the end, just so I could get rid of him and so I could do nothing but uh, Dread Star. <laughs> That's the thing with being having control and ownership of your property. Uh, mm -hmm you have to control your whims. And I wasn't very good at controlling my whims at that point. And so there were a lot of sharp left and right turns on the story as it went along, the Dreadstar saga as it went along, because quite frankly, I'm the most undisciplined artist and writer in the comic book business. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that about the character Dreadstar taking over for you. I hear writers and and creators just in general always say, I wanted to do this one thing, but the character told me 
that it wanted to be more out front. Did you did you find that? It, 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 I was like, I'm really the star of the show here. Yeah, you you know, the stuff lives in your head before a long time before it actually gets down on paper. And these characters, they, they become actual friends, people that are floating around in your consciousness. The writer, Chris Claremont, actually took it to a point where he dedicated a novel he wrote to the X-Men. You know, he just named them off as <laughs> Scott and Gene and that. And I looked at that and went, I hope he knows those aren't real people. But, uh, <laughs> well, maybe you can uh, ask him the next time you see him if he knows they're real people yes. or not. And so, you know, the, the characters do take off on you. Rex Stout, who wrote the Nero Wolf books, he was telling us, he tells a story how he was writing along and one of the major characters, his brother comes into it and he stopped and he went, oh, I didn't know he had a brother. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. So, you know, the, the stories sometimes just get away from you and hopefully that you can rein them back in into a controlled manner. But a lot of times, sometimes you end up uh, writing yourself into a corner. <laughs> One thing I want to talk about with you was you are, to me, you're Marvel Cosmic. You are, you are the father of many famous characters. And I feel like Dreadstar is very parallel and, and it's its own unique story with its own unique heroes. But I, I always remember the quote when you first want to make an apple pie, you have to make the universe. You've made many, many universes and is, and it looks like even the Dreadstar universe has its own designation <laughs> as far as the multiverse is concerned. But the the core of it is that I find that your work is, a, it, it touches me because it connects people to like a greater vision of the world and our place in the world and our place in the universe. And I just really, I like that all of your stories take us out into space and tell us really good stories about human characters. Those are my favorite things. When I was younger, there was an episode of Star Trek that had these aliens that had black on one side of their face mm. and white on the other. And the story was about, you know, segregation and, you know, bigotry. And it was... You look back at it now, it's a terribly camp story, but at the time it was effective and it was able to tell the story without becoming overly preachy. You know, the last thing you want to do is act like you're up in a pulpit talking to the congregation. And so removing it from the reality that we have every day is a way of just giving you the reader a chance to be entertained, stepped away from the things where you'd have to say, well, my, my life, this is, this is my response to that. It gives you a chance to tell the story unimpeded. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, it's no good unless your reader has to work a little bit thinking about what the story is. Right. Um, you know, if you don't get them to think, well, you might as well just be doing Tom and Jerry. Though Tom mm -hmm. and Jerry made me think a lot about, especially about bulging eyebrows. But that's another story. <laughs> love it. Love it. So the, these characters, there's a lot of action. What I like about the pacing of your books, too, is it, it, it moves, it, the story moves along. And 
there's not a lot of just dead space <laughs> there. Well, at, first, let me ask you, is there going to be more Dreadstar after this 100-page graphic novel? I'm 60 pages into the pencil and script, and Jamie is somewhere in the early teens, the late teens. Um, the next one, which is going to be Dreadstar versus the Inevitable, where Dreadstar Returns is very much a book that came out of the pandemic. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I had nothing to do but uh, draw and remove deadwood from the six acres I was living on at the time. So it went along very quickly. And, but the story was in the works beforehand. Actually, as so much of a, a pandemic book, Jamie, who was the anchor about from page 20, contracted uh, COVID-19. Serious case and uh, nearly died from it. We were very lucky that she made it through. I'm and so glad so, she's okay. Yeah, I mean, she still has some bad moments here and there, mm -hmm. being, you know, but uh, she is recovering and, you know, she's, I'm still making her work like hell, so. Um, yeah, correct. the next win. book, yes, I, that's just, if she was here, she would be complaining about just that. Um, <laughs> but the next book is very much the pandemic book. It's about where Dress Star Returns is an unrequited cosmic love story. The next book is about having how people, how you react to something you have no control over, which mm -hmm. is what we've all had to do over the last year. I mean, you know, we can uh, approach uh, the inevitable with denial or skepticism or trying to do the best you can against it or survive it. But there are certain things we do not have any control over. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to write a story about. And that'll be the next one. And there's at least three other after that that are in the planning in different stages. Uh, I've got the third one, which doesn't have a title yet. Very much structured off in my head, nothing down on paper. And because of what's happening in the next two books, there's got to be at least two more books after that to complete the story. So I'm going to uh, be doing Dreadstar page books for the next three and a half years and trying to soak my readership out of a, a few more bucks before I'm done. Well, you deserve it, sir. That is for sure. And yeah, you talked about the everything that everybody's gone through with the pandemic, people getting sick. And when something's out of control, like when you have a, you have an accident, I had an accident in 2018 that I, I broke my collarbone. I got hit by a car. That was not within my realm to control that <laughs> the forces of the universe made that happen but and you had to yeah, adjust to it you had to learn how to button your uh, shirt with one hand right yeah yeah it, it was it was difficult and i'd never fortunately it never been hurt in that way ever before but and, and, and got through it but yeah and then a couple years later this pandemic hit and everybody is affected by an uncontrollable force. And that's what, that's, that's really great. I don't know. I don't exactly want to say lessons, but I, more, more like perspective when I read your work is, is just getting that perspective of, of how people can deal with things. And yeah, like I said before, to take the human experience, but put it out in space and, and 
you know what's great about this too they sent me along dreadstar handbook which is your official handbook of the marvel universe or or i guess dc had the who's who Uh, those and even i'm a big gi joe fan uh, there's a gi joe order of battle that i I think larry helmet had something to do with but but yeah, I love those books. I because I don't even know every single character in Dreadstar, and, and now I know I can go look them up. <laughs> and that what a what a cool book that is, man. Yeah, Bob Greenberger and Phil Smith, who was ominous presses of IT and graphic design guy, they did a terrific job on that handbook. I had little to do with it other than to actually look at it after they were done with their packaging and i said oh yeah okay you got the thumbs up roll so but, they, uh, they 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 wrote the the bios etc bob greenberger wrote all the bios so you know he he and this other guy are like the two historians of comic books if you want mm-hmm. to find anything out about them you go to uh, bob and this other fellow who's over at marvel so. <laughs> that's that's so cool it's such a cool book and, and a companion great companion piece too i'm only through the first omnibus i'm gonna be ordering the the, the i think there's four in total right four three. Three. oh three three yeah. three and four including i guess four including your new book <laughs> yeah we're, we're going to probably go back somewhere along the line and uh, produce a fourth one for the omnibus which involves uh, peter david's uh, run on this on the series oh great uh, yeah I didn't have time and we hadn't worked out the, the legal stuff yet about, I wasn't sure where that I stood on it. So we didn't include Davis, uh, Peter's stuff in that. And I've talked to him since then. He'd be more than glad to, him and Angel, who did the majority there. We'd love to see those things produced as nicely as we produced this last one. Yeah, I mean, everything looked so good. So when you went to draw, are you drawing on paper or, or did you switch to digital? That's like I'm, probably a I'm common question you get. Yeah. Oh, old school. Yeah. In fact, I never quite finished off your story about the, my, about the hand. When I went along, I found I couldn't draw any longer than five minutes before the hand cramped up. And so right. I went through a number of years with squeezing the rubber ball and doing the mm-hmm. other exercises that you have to do to get a hand back in order. And uh, about three years afterwards, I was at a comic book convention where I was just signing Thanos books. And my convention appearance agent came over to me and said, there's this young woman who'd like you to, I mean, she's really, she's a friend of mine. She's really bugging me to ask you to uh, give her a sketch of Dr. Doom. She's a big Dr. Doom fan. Mm -hmm. My first reaction was, you don't want Thanos. You want Dr. Doom. Yeah, why are you asking me for Dr. Doom? Yeah, <laughs> go away. Well, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. But she was persistent, young lady. And she kept And finally started meeting her at the conventions. And I said, one night I finally said, okay, the only way to get rid of her is to do the Dr. Doom sketch. And so one night after, in my hotel room after the con, I sat down to the Dr. Doom sketch for her. And uh, to my surprise, my hand didn't come out aching, mm. uh, which was probably because I had been working on the 1,500 pages of the Omda, Red Star Omnibus, re-digitizing the, the files. You know, we didn't have them back then in the digital form. And I worked with a stylist to do things, and which is a lot different than working with 
pencil where you're pushing down sure. pressure. Yep. But apparently it exercised my hand enough where I found I could draw again. No one more surprised than me about this. And uh, so after that, I started doing the conventions. And at one of them, I did like about three convention sketches of Thanos, I think it was. And I got there and this young woman whose name is Jamie Jameson, who was working as an anchor for Keith Giffen at the time. She didn't have anything to do with the convention because Keith suddenly didn't show up, unexpectedly didn't show up. So I said, well, why should ink these things? And uh, we'll split, you know, we'll split when you get done with Solomon, we'll split what have you. And she did it and I thought, gee, this is really nice. You know, she does a nice job. She works over not well on me. So when I finally decided to do dress her, I uh, approached her and said, I was like this 100-page book of mine. And she very hesitantly agreed. And uh, it was the biggest job she had. We had a lot of wailing and tears at the beginning. Apparently, Joel Adams and Neil Adams helped her telling her to just sit down and do it, you know, get down to it. Right. And then later on, we'd have little relapses of loss of confidence and she'd call up and, you know, we were in the middle of a job and she'd go, I, I just can't do it. You're going to have to find somebody else to do this. It's just beyond me. And I go, okay, I understand where you're coming from, but can you get this next page to me by tomorrow so I can color it? Oh, no, by the way, I'm sending you 10 more pages tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, just ignored her, and it just worked out fine, you know. And uh, she's going to be the anchor on the next book, also. Well, she is the anchor on the next book. Well, I think that she did a great job, and there, not that there's exactly you're not your styles aren't exactly the same, but I I can see why the Keith Giffen anchor works with your work too. I, it just seems like it, it just seems like very the old school fun comics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't get a lot of anymore. So could you tell us about a little bit about the Kickstarter campaign? And it seems like it was like it, when, when, when Jim Starlin asked his fans for some support, they come through. Well, I came into that not knowing the thing about Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. This was Ominous and Ron Myers, who quite frankly did most of the work on it. But they came in, we did some video interviews, talked to folks, got things going, and then very much to my surprise, you know, we, we broke records on how quickly uh, we uh, got it together. I understand Keno Reeves has come along since then and kicked the hell out of our record, but uh, <laughs> he's got a lot more movies under his belt than I do. You know? No, you got a couple of credits at least. <laughs> well, I, I think I had about uh, 30 seconds on the screen where he's, well, a couple thousand times as much. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So that, that was really cool. Yeah, you, you blew it out of the water there and you're able to, you know, this is kind of the new model now is people are just used to, you know, they, they might have to wait a little while for a hundred page graphic novel. They're not going to get every month, but they'll pay you any amount of money for it. And you can offer re different rewards and stuff, which I thought were the rewards were really great for the Kickstarter. Yeah, and it's a, it's a better way. I mean, the creator gets to keep the rights to his thing, to his creation. The two major companies are going through great upheavals right now, especially over mm -hmm. DC with 
with AT&T taking over Warner Brothers, uh, no telling what's going to happen there. And Marvel has its problems too. So it's a good place with the Kickstarter to go off and, you know, might not get as much as we did on the, the initial run in that, but, you know, if you can get enough to do your printing in that, it's your start. And uh, it gives you, it, you keep your independence and you can build up your libraries that way. You know, I mean, we got a nice library right now with Dreadstar and it's over a long period of time. But, you know, any young guy who comes along, young guy or woman who comes along at this point, they can, you know, start putting it together. And a, a lot of folks are doing just that right now. And I think that's a terrific thing. The the co-host of my podcast, he couldn't make it today, but uh, yeah, we kickstarted his comic and he's got three or four issues out. And there was probably just, you know, a couple of kids from the suburbs. No way we could have gotten it done any other way. So <laughs> we just were really big supporters of that. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's so great to see it when it, when it goes so successfully for for big big names and, and small names, just it's awesome. I've always, I've always enjoyed seeing the independents get successful. You know, I, I think we need a lot more Robert Kirkman's out there. You know, get their creations out there and get uh, lucky with setting up uh, other mediums. You know, so you know, I keep my fingers crossed for all of them. And you mentioned your rights, and I just wanted to go back to um, the origins of Dreadstar first because it seemed like the Epics illustrated what I don't know if this is a stand thing, but he he made the crazy magazine, and then he had Epics illustrated to compete with heavy metal. But w when you were putting these early Dreadstar works together and having it come out on Epic, was that kind of the image comics of the time? Was that creator owned? Like you you definitely like were able to hold on to your rights, but have it be under a Marvel imprint? Yeah, about a two or about a year or two before then, Congress passed a new copyright law, the old under the loan law, and what Marvel and DC both did is you, in order to endorse your check, your paycheck, uh, you, you had to sign away your rights to it on the back of the check, there was a you know, paragraph said, by endorsing this, you've given away all your rights. Uh, work for hire? Came, well, work for hire didn't exist at that point. That wasn't oh, a I term. See. And so when the new law came into effect, that term became what they would use for uh, work for hire. You'd sign away, you had to sign away your rights before you did the job. I see. And a lot of us wouldn't do that. Ernie Wrightson, Kaluda, Jeff Jones, Barry Smith, a number of other people just said, no, we're not going to do that. And I was among them. And I did you know, some other jobs here and there. And uh, eventually, uh, Archie Goodwin, the late, great Archie Goodwin, who was the best editor I ever worked with, uh, he talked them into doing the heavy metal type of uh, magazine up there. Marvel. He had his own little subdivision. I mean, we knew that he was, he had come over from DC where he had a very successful run on Batman and a number mm -hmm. of titles. And uh, they, they set him up his own little empire, starting with the magazine and later on the comic book series. And that went on for 
number of years, you know, long after I had left Epic, the, the Archie had his uh, little empire going there, which produced some really great little books, you know, Alien Legion and stuff like that. Well, ElfQuest, I think, was uh, Epic too. Something I think they did uh, some for part of it. Yes, that's for part of it. Part of it. Uh, Elf course started elsewhere, and I think it's had about three or four different publishers along the way. Uh, as did Dreadstar. As did Dreadstar. <laughs> you know, and that was uh, the that is the good thing about owning your uh, own thing. I left Marvel at the time because my. I stopped getting paid. <laughs> uh, somebody up at bookkeeping and uh, haven't been able to figure it out. When they cut the checks, uh, my checks were apparently getting pulled out and thrown into a trash can, and they just couldn't get a check to me unless they cut it uh, separately. And so after about six months of this, I, I finally broke the contract and went over to finish it off at first. Which was a shame because I loved working with Archie and uh, mm -hmm. his assistant Joe Duffy. And uh, you know, from there we went later on from first to to Malibu, where Peter David, who uh, had started taking over the writing, had a very nice little story that he uh, did with Erdin Cologne. And uh, one of the best. I mean, yeah. Peter David is so so such a great writer. No matter what he touches, is so good. Yeah, and so actually the third book that I'm planning with Dreadstar is bouncing off that story. Not oh, great. More than that. It's, it's very uh, cool. You no, know, it's like whatever happened to the female Dreadstar. And so mm -hmm. this that's what I think this uh, third novel is going to be about. Uh, that's, that's what I know it's about. I'm in control. Uh, uh, well, the, the, the Dreadstar and the female Dreadstar, maybe they're the ones in control. And they'll tell you what you should do next. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, a lot of things have sort of inspired where that, you know, because it was an odd little sub sub space thing of uh, Red Star Saga. And when I came back, I didn't haven't referred to it through the first book at all. And have sort of stayed away from it. And this, finally, in this the second book, it's she is mentioned. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking the third book would be more or less her story and how what became of her, what you know, what happened. Yeah. And uh, I'll better stop talking or I'm gonna give too much away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm definitely a fan and somebody that wants to be completely immersed in all things Dreadstar. I remember even as a kid when I would ride my bike to the comic book store and I would see I would see those issues that I was that eventually somebody handed me later. I was always like, that looks like the coolest thing ever, man. Like th this art is so cool. And I, I just I love I love the character designs and and yeah, it's just exciting good old comics as as they say. And it's it's really fun to see you thriving and, and succeeding with this Dreadstar project. Is anything else comics related coming our way from from Jim Starling that's not Dreadstar? Um, I'm sure this takes up a lot of time. But. This takes up a lot of time, but I do have a couple of things that are on the horizon. Working on something with uh, Jamie and Rags Morales that we can't get into oh. it this much at this point, but. 
he's another one of those artists that uh, just look at what he's been doing and what we are have done so far i've just blown away so uh, so that, maybe that would be that. you're on the writing duties for that i'm on the writing duties for that and uh, rags is drawing that and uh, Jamie's helping me with the writing on this. This is one that we uh, sort of uh, co-potted out. Awesome. And, uh, we'll see what happens with that down the line. There's, there's a process you have to go through to, it, is, it will eventually be a Kickstarter and we'll see where we go from there. Yeah. That's great. Well, I guess I'm gonna ask you a, an old school comic question. As far as, as far as, cosmic comic books because i don't know else how else to say it would you say that you're equally influenced by kirby and and ditko or or is there another artist or, or creator or even a writer maybe not even comics that really inspires your work that really is is somebody that you look up to i i feel like you're the guy but there were people before you too <laughs> Oh, Kirby and Ditko were my gods. I mean, I, I learned storytelling from those guys. You know, just looking at their work on that level. There have been so many influences along the line, just about every artist I've ever looked at that I've liked. You know, as far as writers go, it's everyone from Stan Lee to Charles Dickens. You know, if it's a good story, you know, it doesn't matter to me if it's a John D. McDonald, Travis McGee, a novel, or, uh, you know, uh, Space Adventures, you know, Rogers and Lastly Space Adventures, something like that. Uh, it's all coming in all the time. Uh, everything's an influence. and uh, Movies, too. Yeah. I mean, movies, just everything you get. Yeah. Yeah. Everything from Citizen Kane to Endgame. You know, just, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's soaked up and it becomes part of your visual storytelling library. And, you know, you know, you can try all you like, but the original idea, the original uh, imagery is almost impossible to do these days. So you're going to, you're going mm -hmm. to be coming off from something that you have read. Otherwise... Right. You know, you're working from a void, and the story will be me, 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 and more me. <laughs> and what do you think about me? Yeah, yeah. And no one's going to really identify with that or relate to that. So, you know, the, the bigger world's got to get in there, and you can't get anything until you have got that uh, store of stuff inside your head that you want to get out. And have people been reacting to the the former guy making his way into the to the the Dreadstar comic, there's a, a kind of a beheading, let's say, that happens in the book. Uh, <laughs> well, before that, this before I got onto it, he had taken my character Thanos and used him in a political ad, heavy-handedly and lamely, I might say, but I figured that left him as fair game. And then his incompetent handling of the pandemic, uh, where, I, where I personally think he's responsible for thousands of deaths. I, I figured this, what I've done is just, you know, satire. He deserves much worse. You know? And hopefully down the line, there will be some kind of justice. Yeah. Well, 
on that note, sir, thank you so much for that. I, I, I did appreciate that, that panel and your perspective on that for sure. And I know that you have to get to work and, and, and make us more Dreadstar comics. So I'll let you go, but it's right. been, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure, sir. Thank you so much. Such an honor. Yeah, man, and to here. And, and, uh, and hopefully, you know, maybe if convention seasons are coming around and everyone's feeling well, we'll, uh, we'll get a chance to say hello in person. Yeah, I'll be a terrific con and one up in the um, state Washington somewhere in there just later on this month. I oh, cool. I can't remember the name of where it's at. <laughs> well, that's all right. Well, I'll include it when we release the uh, interview. Tell them people where they can go. Their Dread Star <laughs> Comics signed up. I really appreciate you, sir. Thank you so much. All right. You take care. And we'll be Thanks, talking. Thanks.